This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. An appeals court has suspended Judge Chutkin's gag order against President Trump. This has the far left very worried. President Trump's approval rating is way ahead of President Biden's in national polls. This is also a backlash against the Democrats' pursuit of President Trump. The far left is also trying hard to discredit the new House Speaker Mike Johnson. The results may be quite counterproductive as well. The Florida Freedom Summit presented a chance for the state's Governor Ron DeSantis and President Trump to share the same stage for the first time in their home state while vying for their party's presidential nomination. The U.S. Secretary of State made a surprise visit to the West Bank on Sunday in an effort to calm the conflict in the Middle East. Under pressure from all sides, Israel agreed that there could be a temporary ceasefire, but with one precondition. Okay, let's get into it. On Friday, a federal appeals court temporarily suspended Judge Tanya Chutkin's gag order against President Trump in the January 6th case. Three judges on the D.C. District Court of Appeals, who are all Democrats, froze Chutkin's gag order. So we really can't judge people on partisan lines all the time. Oral arguments are scheduled for November 20th. The move by the appeals court is the latest in the gag order saga. After Judge Tanya Chutkin issued a gag order last month, President Trump filed a motion to suspend the gag order pending an appeal. And on October 20th, Judge Chutkin agreed to temporarily suspend this gag order that she had issued. Last week, at the request of the special counsel, however, Judge Chutkin then reinstated the gag order against President Trump. However, President Trump's legal team filed an emergency motion on Thursday to lift the gag order pending his appeal. The Court of Appeals emphasized that the public should not overinterpret the stay order. The appellate panel said in its decision, the purpose of this administrative stay is to give the court sufficient opportunity to consider the emergency motion for a stay pending appeal and should not be construed in any way as a ruling on the merits of that motion. However, constitutional law expert Jonathan Turley believes that this move is quite significant. Now, does this temporary freeze signal that there is likelihood of success on the merits with the Trump legal team's First Amendment claims for lifting that gag order? Well, Laura, it's hard to say because we have to wait to see how the panel reacts in its review, particularly the oral argument. Uh, they're essentially freezing any action here. Uh, they could have left it continue uh, uh, to continue while they reviewed it, uh, but they decided, uh, perhaps in abundance of caution, uh, to order this uh, this stoppage until they can give it a full review. The reason I think this could be quite significant is that I think the order is unconstitutional. Uh, I said that when it was first issued. The stay, which was granted by the Court of Appeals, lasts until November 20th, which means that President Trump will have freedom of speech for at least 13 days. But these 13 days have left the far-left media worried and scared. MSNBC says it's a serious concern. But is that true? Jonathan, MSNBC is really worried because there are 17 days of unfettered free speech for Trump. Watch this. <laughs>
The testimony is, is that actualized threats, threats against their lives, threats of violence and harassment ensued. Do you have any concerns about what happens in the 17 days between today and the hearing? I absolutely do. Jonathan, is that a legitimate concern? Well, you know, that's part of the disconnect here about this gag order is that this much of this election is going to turn on these prosecutions. Millions of people believe that the criminal justice system has been weaponized. Now, whether that's true or not, when you hold these trials before the election, everyone's going to be talking about it and there's going to be sharp criticism. Usually when you have these gag orders, it's to protect a jury pool so that they're not influenced by all of the publicity that might be generated. This persecution of President Trump by the far left is having the opposite effect. And so the question for the Court of Appeals is, what is the real purpose of this? If you're silencing not only one of the leading candidates for the, in the election where this is being debated, but he can't even criticize his former opponent, Michael Pence, or the witnesses being bringing evidence against him. Uh, that, I think, is pretty problematic. And uh, she's going to have a hard time, the court that is, uh, to sustain this, if not on, in front of the D.C. Circuit, the Supreme Court. And if it goes to the Supreme Court, that could very well uh, cause issues with her scheduling. It should be noted that the backlash is beginning to show. According to a poll by the far left New York Times, President Trump is beating Joe Biden by substantial margins in five of six key swing states. In Nevada, President Trump has the largest lead at 11%. Voters favor President Trump 52% to 41%. In Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia, President Trump leads by about 5%, according to the poll by the left-leaning New York Times. Even in Michigan, where labor unions are strong, President Biden's favorability rating is still 5% lower than President Trump, even though Biden claims to be the most pro-union president. Only in Wisconsin is President Biden's approval rating higher than President Trump's by 2%, according to the poll, but the poll has a 1.8% margin of error. So Biden's lead in Wisconsin is just barely outside the margin of error. These polls are alarming to Democrats as they should be. For example, the New York Times poll in 2020 showed President Trump down three to nine points in Arizona. In Michigan, President Trump was down as much as 11 points in 2020. And in Pennsylvania, President Trump was down six to 10 points according to the 2020 poll. But the situation is very different this time around. In each of the six key states, an overwhelming 60 to 70% of voters, including majorities from every race, gender, education, and income bracket, told pollsters that the country was headed in the wrong direction. Furthermore, the poll found that only 46% of black voters would commit to supporting President Biden. This is a significant concern for Democrats since black voters have always been the stalwart support of the Democratic Party. Another poll released on Sunday by CBS showed President Trump leading Biden 51% to 48% in overall voting intentions. According to CBS, 73% of Americans believe their country is in decline. This is the highest level since the beginning of this year. The ABC poll showed that
that 76% of Americans believe their country is headed in the wrong direction. ABC's program on Sunday openly discussed whether Joe Biden should step aside and be replaced by another Democrat. The question is, who should they replace him with? This is probably going to lead to a lot of Democrats increasing the chatter that Joe Biden should step aside and, and, and make room for another Democrat. And I think the problem that Democrats have is they don't know who that Democrat would be right now. I don't think that uh, people look at Kamala Harris and feel like she is ready to take that step forward. They look across the rest of the party, governors, senators, mayors, House members, and they're struggling to figure out who they could put up if it's not Joe Biden. And so I think the reality is Democrats are probably going to run Joe Biden. In the New York Times poll, 71% of voters said Biden is too old to be president. But President Trump, who was also mature, has seen his approval rating soar. This shows that age is not a decisive issue. On Saturday, President Trump once again demonstrated his charisma and dominance among Republican voters at the Freedom Summit in the central Florida city of Kissimmee. At the Freedom Summit, Republican voters and activists cheered any mention of President Trump, and they booed any criticism of him. Florida Republican U.S. Senator and former Florida Governor Rick Scott reiterated his support for President Trump's candidacy in the 2024 election that night. This brought cheers from Republicans around the stage. Before the Freedom Summit on November 4th, seven more Republican legislators in Florida endorsed President Trump for the 2024 election, Five of these legislators who previously supported Florida Governor Ron DeSantis have switched to President Trump. This event in Florida was supposed to be Governor DeSantis's home turf. While DeSantis also won applause for his speech, it was clear that President Trump was the star of the gathering. Ten days ago, House Speaker Randy Fine of the Florida legislature also made the decision to switch from DeSantis to President Trump. On this night, President Trump told a boisterous crowd, we're going to win this state in a landslide next November. An electronic screen behind President Trump read, Florida is Trump country. President Trump will continue to skip the third party primary debate on November 8th because of his commanding lead in the national polls. In fact, more than 70% of Republican voters believe that a third Republican primary debate is unnecessary. Since House Speaker Mike Johnson's pro-Israel bill, the far left has been digging up all sorts of so-called dirt on the Speaker. Recently, several media outlets have been focusing on a comment that the Speaker made a few years ago about homosexuality. An audio clip shows that the House Speaker Johnson has blamed same-sex relationships for the fall of the Roman Empire. Many historians, those who are objective, would look back and, and, uh, and recognize and, and um, give some credit to the fall of Rome to not only the, the, the deprivation of the society and the, the loss of morals, but also to uh, the rampant you know, homosexual behavior uh, that was uh, condoned by the society. Mike Johnson, the Republican speaker from Louisiana, is a conservative Christian. He does not approve of homosexual behavior, and he has been opposed to federal protections for same-sex marriage. And in the past, he has made statements describing same-sex relationships as inherently unnatural and harmful. Johnson had close ties to Exodus International, which is a now-defunct anti-gay organization that promoted LGBTQ 
conversion therapy. Johnson collaborated with Exodus International on an event called Day of Truth. Yeah, so for years, uh, Johnson worked with this group called Exodus International on an anti-gay event aimed at teens. Now, Exodus was a leader uh, in what was called the ex-gay movement. We talked a little bit about it in that intro where they claimed that you could essentially uh, change somebody's sexuality through counseling, uh, through prayer. They basically treated uh, being gay as a mental illness. Now Johnson said in a radio interview in 2008 that the truth is there are many parts of our body that we are born with that cannot be changed. Our race, the size of our feet, the color of our eyes, these are things we're born with and we cannot change. However, Mike Johnson believes that homosexuality is not inherent, rather it is the result of being influenced by others. But what these, these adult advocacy groups like the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network are promoting is a type of behavior. Homosexual behavior is something you do, it's not something that you are. Positions on LGBTQ issues are a focal point of liberal attacks on the speaker. But people have different perspectives. What some people consider nonsense or very outlandish views are seen as perfectly normal by others. For example, on the issue of males and females sharing the same toilets, the liberals think that this is a manifestation of progress. But the conservatives consider it a result of social degradation and chaos. Similarly, the far left thinks that it's political suicide for politicians to publicly declare their opposition to homosexuality. But conservatives who heard the speaker's remarks were glad that someone finally had the courage to speak the truth, which is now politically incorrect. In fact, despite the overwhelming presence of far-left media, there are still a very small number of people who truly endorse LGBTQ. Those who oppose it are the silent majority. The speaker never hid his strong religious beliefs. During an interview last week with Fox News' Sean Hannity, Mike Johnson made it clear that he is a Bible-believing Christian. I, I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's a curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. That's what I believe. But at the same time, he showed tolerance and willingness to work with people with different opinions. I am a rule of law guy. I made a, a career defending the rule of law. I respect the rule of law. When the Supreme Court issued the Obergefell opinion, that became the law of the land, okay? I respect the rule of law, but I also genuinely love all people, regardless of their lifestyle choices. This is not about the people themselves. Everybody comes to the House of Representatives with deep personal convictions. But all of our personal convictions are not going to become law. That's, this is a, a, a big body of people. There's 435 members in the House. You have to argue and find consensus and all of that. So I have no agenda other than what's best for the American people and to defend the rule of law, and that's what we're doing. On Sunday, clashes between Israel and Hamas broke out again in northern Gaza. Israeli Defense Forces spokesman Daniel Hagari announced later that day that Israel had completely encircled Gaza and they split the city in two. He said that the Israeli army would carry out a major strike against Hamas as the counteroffensive enters an important phase. Hagari stated that the Israeli army launched a critical expansion operation on November 5th which not only managed to encircle the entire Gaza city, but also broke some of Hamas's bases that were above and below ground. 
In addition, the Israeli army has further bisected Gaza into North Gaza and South Gaza. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken had just wrapped up a visit in Baghdad when Israel announced the new attacks. Blinken rejected Arab demands for an immediate ceasefire. He said that a ceasefire would only allow Hamas to regroup. But he is trying to persuade Israel to agree to a site-specific ceasefire in order to distribute much-needed aid in the Gaza Strip. Therefore, under U.S. pressure, the Israeli government said on Sunday the humanitarian pause is possible, but only if there is a breakthrough in the hostage problem. On this occasion, Blinken met with Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the Palestinian Autonomous Government. Abbas told Blinken that the Palestinian Authority was willing to take over Gaza as part of a diplomatic solution. Blinken and Abbas met for about an hour. Abbas told Blinken that the Palestinian Authority is ready to assume full responsibility for the Gaza Strip after the end of Israel's war against Hamas. This would be within the framework of a comprehensive political settlement that includes the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Abbas also stressed that security and peace could be achieved only if Israel ends its military rule over the territory of the state of Palestine and recognizes East Jerusalem as its capital. Blinken has visited the Middle East several times in order to mediate the Israeli-Hamas war, but this was his first visit to the West Bank. Blinken visited Tel Aviv on Friday and Abbas on Saturday, and he will now travel to Turkey. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.